This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Dive into the book of Genesis to look at origin stories. This uh, ancient story uh, from this ancient book that speaks into our lives today. That's incredible, isn't it? The Word of God speaks into our lives today. Although it spans thousands of years, multiple different authors, uh, often in lands far away, it speaks to us here today in 21st century Britain. And this morning, our final part uh, of this series, we're going to think about relationships. It all starts here, relationships. And relationships make the world go round, don't they? Relationships often make life worthwhile meaningful. Relationships like friendships. Maybe you're sat with a friend this morning. Friendships are so powerful, aren't they? Your relationships like siblings. Anyone got any siblings in the room? Anyone love their sibling, their brother, their sister? There we go. Relationships like like a spouse or uh, like a neighbor, uh, a work colleague. You know, sometimes we spend a lot of time, don't we, with the people that we work with. Maybe we see them more than our family sometimes. And sometimes work colleagues become like family. Sometimes, you know, the relationships that make life meaningful and make life worthwhile, sometimes are the random people we meet along life's journey. People that you bump into or people that you share a deep and meaningful conversation that you then never see again. You know, relationships make the world go round. Relationships make life meaningful. And God is a relational God. The God that we believe in, the God that we worship, and the God that is introduced to us in the book of Genesis is a relational God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to baptize people this morning into the name of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is relational. God is community. You know, God is a relational God. God is, by his very nature, community, this living, breathing relationship. And what is amazing to me in the book of Genesis is the God who is relational, the God who is relationship, invites us in, invites humanity into relationship with himself. And then a lot of the Bible, a lot of the the very good partnership, as we heard from Josh last week, is about God trying to help people, humanity, live healthy relationships with one another. Live relationships that are life-giving, life-giving to themselves and life-giving to the world around them. But first of all, before we talk about the beauty of relationships and the picture of harmony that God paints for us in the book of Genesis, we're going to talk about the problem. This morning, we're going to talk about the problem, the promise, the practice, and then the process. Hope you're going to be with us tracking on this journey. The problem. There is a problem. It all starts here. There's a problem very early on in Scripture. Uh, And the problem is, is this, is sin. We see this very quickly. Look at the news. Look in the Bible look in the mirror, look out of the window, and we'll see that things are not the way they're meant to be. Anyone agree with that? Look in the news. Like who, after 10 seconds of watching the news, says, oh my goodness, things are not the way they're meant to be. So we can look at the news, however you access your news, on TV or newspaper or social media or the internet, however you access your news, It doesn't take you very long to realize things are not the way they're meant to be. Things are broken. 
But then I look out the window, and maybe some of us, maybe again your window to the world is, is social media or the internet, Padium Community Talk, however you access your window to the world. Sometimes you might look out your window, there's no windows in this room, but sometimes you can look out your window and see things are not the way they're meant to be. And maybe we look out the window pointing the finger, but then I look in the mirror, I don't know about anyone else, but I look in the mirror and I say, I see things are not the way they're meant to be. It doesn't take me very long to look at my own life, to be introspective and say, things are broken. Things are not the way they're meant to be. And we call this, in the Bible, we call this sin. And here's a little quote. Sin isn't just breaking of the rules. You know, sometimes that's how we see sin, just a break, doing naughty things, a breaking of the rules. Sin isn't just a breaking of the rules, but a breakdown of relationship. I think that for me that's so important, that sin is, of course, breaking rules. But it's more than that. It's not just breaking rules. It's a breaking of relationship. It's a breaking of relationship. And in the biblical language, the biblical language is Hebrew. Jesus was, was a Jew. Jesus spoke uh, Aramaic and Hebrew. A lot of the Bible that's been handed to us comes in Hebrew. In the Hebrew language, there are three concepts of the idea of sin. So we might have, like, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word sin. What, I don't know what images come to your mind or what concepts come to your mind. But for the Hebrew thinking, there are three different concepts when they thought about the word sin. One was actively doing wrong. I'm choosing to do the wrong thing in this moment. I'm not setting up my whole life this way. I know there's a choice and I'm choosing to do the wrong thing. In a Hebrew thinking, that would be seen as a sin. Another way of seeing sin was actively choosing to not do the right thing. We might call that the sin of omission. So it's choosing to do the wrong thing, but it could also be actively choosing to not do the right thing. Does that make sense? So there's somebody over there that needs help, and I've not hurt them. I've not actively gone over there to hurt them, but I've ignored them. I've ignored their need. I've ignored their suffering. That's called the sin of omission, choosing actively to not do the right thing. And the third version of sin in the Hebrew thinking was out-and-out out rebellion. Uh, an image that really helps me is the image of a dartboard. Any darts players in the room? Any archers in the room? Is there any archers in the room? That would be really interesting. No. I love this image of a, of a dartboard. And, of course, in the middle of the dartboard is the bullseye. And one of the uh, ancient languages, uh, the word sin comes from this idea of missing the mark, that God has a bullseye for your life. I love this idea. God has a bullseye for your life. Whoever you are, whatever life has thrown at you so far, wherever you're sat right now, literally, but also metaphorically in your life, God has a bullseye for your life. God has something for you to do. Someone for you to be. He's got a target, an aim, a goal. He has a bullseye for your life. And sin, in this other ancient language, is missing the mark, is missing the bullseye. So either recklessly, you know, just throwing the darts like this. You know, just, I'm not really that bothered. I'm not being that intentional. You know, that's maybe one version of sin of, I'm not really giving the best of myself. Maybe I'm not actively trying to miss. I'm just not really engaged. Out-and-out rebellion would be smashing up the dartboard altogether. You know, some people, that's maybe how they live their lives. Reckless abandon. 
Um, and they're just, everything in their life is, is geared around destruction. But most of us, I think most humans that I've met, that's not their story. It's more like they don't know God has a bullseye for their life. Or they've got some kind of inkling of God's best for their life, but they keep missing it, either intentionally or unintentionally. So sin, we're introduced to this idea in the Bible of sin not just being a breaking of the rules, but a breaking of relationship. A breaking of a relationship. Something that gets in between us and God. Something that gets in between each other. You know, an enmity that grows between family. Very early on in the Bible, Genesis 4, we get this story of two brothers, Cain and Abel. And it's the first murder in the Bible. And it's two brothers that essentially go to war with each other. Enmity. You know, maybe for some people in life, that's their story. This breakdown of relationship. Different words we could use would be brokenness, devastation, fracture. Things are broken down. Things aren't the way they're meant to be. Enmity. It's such a sad story that in the Bible, it's two brothers, people who are meant to be shoulder to shoulder, taking on the world together. But there's a breakdown of relationship. And this morning, as we go along this message and we think about this message, my hope and my prayer is where there's brokenness in your life, where there's a breakdown of relationship in your life, either between you and God or between you and others in your life, that today might be the beginning of something new. That today, maybe there'd be a healing, a restoring of what was broken. And we see this in the promise. Genesis 2, we're going to go there in a moment. We see the promise. We see the problem. The problem is a breakdown of relationship. Things are broken. Things are not the way they're meant to be. But in Genesis 2, we get a picture. We get a glimpse of God's heart, a picture of hope. And it's called Eden, the garden that I spoke about a few weeks ago. Genesis 2, we're going to read from verse 4. It's going to be on the screen, or you can read along in your Bible if you want. This is the account of the, of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man that he formed. And just one more verse, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. I love that. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project says this. God makes a garden where humans can flourish. God makes a garden, God makes an environment that's for flourishing. That's God's goal, that's God's bullseye. God's goal for your life is human flourishing. God makes a garden where humans can flourish. The garden was created for relational flourishing. We are made for relationships. And the picture that Eden paints is a picture of harmony. Harmony between God and the creation. Harmony between God and humanity. Harmony between humanity and harmony between humanity and the creation. That's the picture that Eden paints. A picture of how things can be. 
This is the promise of Eden, the potential of creation, and the hope of the new creation, the hope of the world to come. Now, you may have seen someone walking past in just a moment. You may see the chairs behind me. I wanted to ask somebody in our community what this looks like in their life. The problem is brokenness, a broken relationship. The promise is this picture called Eden, this picture that God paints of harmony between God and the creation, harmony between God and humanity. You can live in harmony with God. Maybe today there's a broken relationship between you and God. Maybe you and God aren't talking at the moment. Maybe there's a lack of trust. Maybe there's a breakdown in communication. That can change today. Maybe there's a brokenness between you and a loved one, a family member, a neighbor, a work colleague. I believe today God wants to restore what was broken. Maybe there's a breakdown in your mentality between you and the world around you, you and the created order. Actually, God wants to restore that and redeem that today. So the practice, how do we walk with God? There's a powerful, beautiful, but incredibly sad image in Genesis 3. It says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What a beautiful image. God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It paints a picture, kind of implies that God was used to walking with humanity, that Adam and Eve recognized this sound, and normally they would join God in a walk around the garden. How beautiful does that sound? Imagine taking a walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. But here's how the verse goes. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then God said to them, where are you? And today, I believe there's maybe some people who are hiding from God, who maybe once walked with God, but God is calling you back today, back into relationship and saying, where are you? Come out of hiding and learn how to walk with God once again. So I wanted to uh, invite someone who I've known for uh, a long time, uh, and I've known uh, part of his journey, part of his story, and know him as someone who walks with God. And so in this little conversation we're going to have now, we're going to learn from Patrick just something of his journey of what does it mean to walk with God. So why don't we uh, welcome Patrick to the stage. Thanks, Pat. Are you okay? I'm good, thank you, Pete. Nice shoes. Nice of the mine. Uh, Very good. For those who don't know, Patrick is my father-in-law and is also from Yorkshire. Is that okay? (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Uh, So, Pat, first of all, tell us, well, tell us before we get into these other questions. Yeah, so you're my father-in-law, you're from Yorkshire, but tell us something else about yourself for those who maybe don't know you very well. How long have you been part of Life Church? Well, um, uh, my wife and I uh, moved to East Lancashire about 11 years ago. Uh, we've been attending here at Life Church for the last few years. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. And we're so glad you are as well. Uh, wonderful. Who's had a lovely chat with Pat sometime over the past few years? Very good. Look at all those hands. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, thinking about this, uh, this idea of 
practice, putting it into practice, walking with God. We're going to think about what does that look like. But let's start at the beginning. It all starts here, origin stories. Mm. Pat, tell us, how did you first become a Christian? How did you first start to learn to walk with God? Well, I'd, I'd say the, uh, the time I actually began a relationship with God was uh, in my mid-twenties. Um, but uh, there's a bit more to it than that. When I was a child, my parents uh, packed me off to church and Sunday school, and uh, there I learnt some things about God, and I had an awareness of God, uh, but I would say I didn't actually really have a relationship with God. Um, when I got to the age of about 11 or so, I really thought I really had enough of going to church. And um, as adolescence was approaching, I could see all sorts of other things that I wanted to explore. So I stopped going to church. And I kind of just uh, began to forget everything that I'd learned uh, as a child. And um, I have to say, I, I went on life on my own terms, and I made a lot of bad choices. Um, the outcomes were not good. Um, and a few years later, in my early 20s, um, by this time, uh, I had a wonderful wife called Sally, who most people may know around in the church. She almost got a round of applause there. Yes, <laughs> I'll tell Should you we what. give her a proper round of applause? Yeah. If only knew the half of it, you would re really be, you know... Um, uh, so life was pretty grand for us in our early 20s, but I did rather think something was missing in life. And I thought maybe it was something to do with church. So we started uh, visiting various churches. Um, and through that, we met a young couple who kind of recognized where we were at in that we were inquiring, we were curious, we were interested we hadn't yet formed a relationship with God, and they took time out with us over a few weeks, uh, various evening meet, meet up, meeting up with a cup of coffee and so on, and they explained to us uh, so much about God, and they explained about God's love, and they explained why it was necessary that Jesus should come to the earth and actually suffer a horrendous death. Uh, for us to be forgiven of our sins. And at the end of all that uh, sh various sharing, um, they invited us to make a commitment to Christ, to pray, uh, to welcome him into our lives. They helped us through that. And uh, so we had the joy, Sally and I had the joy of uh, just kneeling down in our own, in our own lounge and being led in a prayer of commitment to Jesus, and they laid hands on us and, and prayed for us that we would receive him and his Holy Spirit. And life changed wow. dramatically from that moment on. I felt a tremendous sense of lightness, and I didn't realize what I was carrying around with me until Jesus took that off my shoulders, you know. So that's, that's how wonderful. it all began. Amazing, amazing. So that's where it all began. That's where the relationship with God began. So that's a few decades later. What has sustained you? you know, what, how has God sustained you in the journey of life? 
Uh, well, yeah, looking back on it, uh, I would have to say that reading the Bible has been a huge part of it. Um, I mean, some people refer to it as the maker's handbook, and I can understand why. Um, so, yeah, reading the Bible and trying to learn from it uh, along the way. Uh, mixing with God's people. Uh, by that, I mean other people are also uh, looking to follow Jesus, and that's primarily through church, uh, Sunday mornings, uh, midweek meetings, and so on. Um, prayer has been a, a vital part of it, and, and prayer to me is really, I've realized, is just a simple talking to God, talking with God, uh, but at the same time also listening, yes. listening to what, what he, he may say to us. Uh, he loves conversation. If, if, if you, like, you have a relationship with somebody, you like being with them, yes. you like to talk. Yes. If you don't ever talk, I don't know what becomes of the relationship. I think it kind of withers on the vine, really. Um, and I think serving God by serving people has been an important part of it, too. And reading books about other people's journeying with God has helped me in my journey. That's, uh, often there's been times that have been quite difficult. I remember when I first became a Christian, one of the hardest things was reconciling or negotiating or fathoming the difference of values between my workplace and the values I was suddenly experiencing through uh, life with Jesus. And seeing his values being quite different to the values that were in the workplace. Um, so he helped me with that. I would say the journey has not always been easy, but in hindsight, it's always worth it. Um, and there's a lovely prayer in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 6 that starts with, the Lord bless you and keep you. And it's a lovely, lovely prayer. And um, looking back, I would say, God has kept me. Yeah. Um, so, it's a, I know it's a good question, what has sustained me? But I think a valid question is, who has sustained me as well? You know, he's, he's really, um, he's been there undergirding everything along the way for us. He's wonderful. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, last question then, Pat, for everybody in the room. There's people in the room who might be not yet in relationship with God or new Christians or people who've been Christians for a long time, what practical advice do you have for people to walk with God, to have a relationship with God, to journey with God? What practical advice do you have? Well, the first one I'd like to say, and it's quite a biggie, not always easy to manage, but I would say don't bear grudges. Be quick to forgive. It's very easy to hold on to things. If we're hurt, we're offended, we kind of get cross with somebody, we close down on them. It's a break to relationship, really, which is not good. And it doesn't do us any good at all. And it's not blessing God. So I would say one of the very, very first things is don't hold grudges. Be quick to forgive. Secondly, um, and there's not order of importance because this is a really big one, put Jesus first foremost and central in your life and let everything else revolve around that and keep doing it don't just do it once one point in time where you think yeah I did that way back keep on doing it always 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 another thing is always aim to get to know him better than you do at the moment 
it's, it's really almost a never-ending journey, really. It is a never-ending until we see Jesus face to face. And no matter how long we've been a Christian, whether it's seven days or 70 years, whatever it is, I'd urge people, all people, to make it their aim to get to know him even better than they do currently. And give time to reading the Bible, as I said earlier on. Some people call it the maker's handbook. Ponder it. Let it sink in. Let it, let it change you for the better from the inside out. Keep an ear open to God. He loves to speak to his people. There's lots of different ways he speaks to us. And don't put God in the dock. I think it's very, very easy for Christians and non-Christians to blame God for things. Uh, we do live in a culture that's very blame-conscious. Something goes wrong, who can we blame? It's, it's never ourselves. It's always somebody else. Let's find who it is. And sometimes when life throws tricky things at us, we can start questioning God and um, holding him responsible and blaming him for things. That's not a good place to be. And um, if I can just fi finish by saying... Um, just recently, I, I've been uh, inspired again by things I've read in the very first chapter of the book of Job. Uh, some, most people may know this story, but um, Job was a good man, but dreadful things happened to him, horrendous things happened to him, which would just devastate people, normal people, I'm sure, most of us. And, and having heard this dreadful, one lot of dreadful news after another, it says towards the end of Job, for chapter 1, and it says, then he fell to the ground in worship. Wow. You know, if you think you get some really bad news, is your first response to worship, is my first response to worship, it would be good if it was. And I think that's how we should be. But the other thing is, it also says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So I, I, I just would use that to reiterate, please don't hold God responsible for things. Don't blame him for stuff. You may not, we, we may want answers. We may not be getting them. But the answer is never it's God's fault because he's pure and he's holy and he's just amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Pat. Hopefully, yeah, you, can, you can give Pat a round of applause. Thank you. I hope, I hope in sharing uh, some of Pat's story is there would be some wisdom there that you could take to put this into practice. What does it mean to walk with God? You know, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We live in Accrington or Padium or Burnley or Irby or wherever you live. But we can still um, live in harmony with God. We can still live in harmony with other people. So we can live out this practice of learning to walk with God. One other bit of wisdom, uh, I just love this wisdom from Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer. He says in terms of a relationship with God, in terms of prayer life, keep it simple, keep it real, be honest, and keep it going, persevere. I love that wisdom. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it going. And very simply, the process. We talked about the problem, the promise, the practice of walking with God, living this out. And the process is, what is the next step? Like for you today, what is the next step in your relationship with God? What is the next step that God is leading you into? Maybe in this conversation this morning, uh, God is encouraging you, reminding you, challenging you to take a step with him, to come out of hiding and walk with him in the garden. 
Maybe God today is reminding you of relationships that are broken down. And maybe God wants you to take the first step or the next step to reconcile. So before the kids come in and before we move on to baptisms, Pat, I'd love you just to pray for us this morning. Pray for us that God would help us take the next step. Is that okay, Pat? Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Father, we thank you for your amazing love and kindness to each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you that you, we, are, we are the apple of your eye, that you love us all so much. Father, wherever each one of us in this building is right now, wherever the people listening on the live stream are in their relationship and their walk with God, I pray, oh God, that you would help us to move on, take the next step, whatever you're prompting us towards, Lord. Help us, give us courage and strength and faith to take the next step, to walk with you and progress with you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, wonderful. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at Lifelinks on social media 